a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to Fly Racing Racer X Podcast with Greg Schnell. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. I'm Steve Mathis, flyracing.com. Please check them out online. Check out the latest and greatest from those folks, FR5 boot. If you're looking for a mid-level boot, they've got a new one, and they're very proud of it. It's got a couple hinges on it. Benny Bloss, uh, Zach Osborne, Blake Baggett, you name it, they uh, they wear Fly. And uh, some exciting things coming from the folks at Fly down the line in the new year. You'll see that soon enough. You may even be able to see some of it in some photos if you uh, look closely. Uh, flyracing.com. Please check them out. Mountain bike stuff, too. I've been uh, mountain biking a ton, and uh, the helmet is fantastic. I love the little dial system it has, almost like a BOA closure system on the back of the head. And, and uh, the media gloves uh, fit me great. The shorts, uh, like shoes as well that Kiefer runs. A uh, whole line of mountain bike uh, stuff from the folks at Fly Racing. Also, too, Maxxis Tires, MXST Tire. Jeremy McGrath uh, developed this tire. Chris Kiefer likes it very, very much. It's MXST tire. Please check them out at Maxxis.com uh, or your local dealer. Maxxis means tires. It's that simple. And the folks at Alpine Stars, Tech 10, the most advanced boot in motocross today, the Tech 7. Uh, please check them out. Tech 10, of course, has uh, got some, a lot of new features for 2019 and uh, a lot of good feedback from that. Also, to the uh, next support system, the A1 chest protector that many, many pros wear underneath. Please check them out. Alpine Stars protects. And thanks to you guys for listening all year. Appreciate it. I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, I appreciate the, all the listens in 2018. And now, coming up, Greg Chanel. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And now, as promised, on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Maxis and the folks at Alpine Stars, it's uh, former 125 Supercross winner, Greg Schnell. What's up, Schnell? How are you, man? Man, I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself, Mathis? I am good. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. I have not uh, seen you for a while. I haven't talked to you for a long time. I hope all is well. You're in Texas. Uh, what is going on with you? Why are you in Texas? Uh, you know, I moved out to Texas, uh, I would say about 2012, uh, I had a job opportunity on the oil patch and moved out there in West Texas for about four years, um, you know, hauling fuel, working on the oil field, uh, the oil rigs, frac sites, farmers, stations, whatever it was. Um, and then last year, my, my dad got sick. He had, um, terminal four brain cancer and moved out to the Fort Worth, Dallas area. So that's where I'm currently at. That sounds interesting. Uh, condolences about your dad and all that. That's no, that's no, You never want to see that. Um, sure. um, you like Texas life? Is that, does that suit you? You're a SoCal born and raised guy, right? 
Man, I, I am a SoCal born and well, not born. I was raised there. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Uh, my family moved out to uh, Rancho Cucamonga in SoCal. 1980, lived there until 2012, and decided it was time for a change. Mm -hmm. So, came to Texas. I've always, you know, growing up racing, going to Lake Whitney, Loser, all the tracks out here, all the amateur stuff. And, uh, you know, I've always loved it out here. And uh, this is my new home. Yeah, nice. Different pace of life, huh? When you you go back to SoCal now, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I actually went back to SoCal for a year, about a year and a half. Uh-huh. In 2015 to the end of 16, and man, it's just crazy out there, man. The traffic's <laughs> just unbelievable to yeah. rat race, and you know, the only thing I really miss is my friends and family and the weather. I mean, you can't beat the weather out yeah. there, right? Yeah, uh, and Rancho Cucamonga, where you grew up. Uh, although I always thought you were more of a San Diego guy, Schnell. Why did I think that? Why did I? Did you live down there at some point? Were you down there? You know ever? what? A lot of a lot of people think that and, and have thought that. Uh, you know, I wrote for Motor World of El Cajon yep. for years. And yeah. Obviously, they're based out of El Cajon and, and you know, won the San Diego, San Diego Supercross in 2000. And, I mean, immediately right after that, everyone, you know, was claiming I lived in El Cajon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that was it. Um, but uh, can you believe how much Rancho has gr- blown up since you started living there. Holy smokes. It's a new... Oh, it's, it's yeah. unbelievable, man. I remember riding my BMX bike here as a kid through the orange and lemon groves. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's yep. insane out there. Uh, you do any riding anymore? You keep on a bike? When's the last time you rode? Man, I, I didn't ride for just about eight years. Uh, the last time I rode a bike was in March, uh, to March of 2011, and I just bought a bike about two months ago man oh nice yeah yeah 350 and the bike is amazing right they're all four strokes now chanel (laughs) i I was in the showroom i I actually bought my bike at mun racing uh through chip mites awesome Uh dude and i was going down to buy a 252 stroke and i got down and i went wait a second here you know i've never even ridden a four stroke with fuel injection uh different mass you know i'm like i'm getting a 350 screw that yeah, you can't you can't get a two stroke anymore unless you just want to play around and have fun. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I, and I I may end up getting one for for that reason. Um. So you might want to race again. Might want to get behind the gate. I have. Yeah, I've been I've been thinking about it. Uh, I would like to do Lorena Lands. You know, that's been on my bucket list. Uh, I've only been there a couple times as an amateur, and have never won. I actually tied Roger Skaggs for. A title there, I think back in '94, maybe, maybe, maybe it's '93. But uh, I would like to go back and have some fun. Absolutely, right, right. Oh, that's good. Good to hear. Um, oh, well, you hey, you just got down back from Puerto Rico. You were down there helping the uh, Puerto Rico MXDN team. Uh, how'd that come about? What'd you do? How was it? Man, it was amazing. It was really a life changing event for a lot of us involved. Um, you know, I got in contact with Ryan Lane over at Global Disaster Outreach. He is actually in charge of, you know, Global Disaster. Um, he's neighbors with uh, Ryan Sipes. And, uh, you know, I, I read one of his posts uh, right after they teamed up with, you know, Travis, Kevin, and Ryan. Uh-huh. And from the scope of work that they had or that they wanted to do, um, I figured that they could use some help, and I was, like, all about it. I, I contacted my, my buddy Corey over at New Wave Construction. He's out of Costa Mesa. 
uh, once everything kind of was kind of set in place, um, yeah, everything was good, man. We had a great time. We built a couple roofs for a couple homeowners down there. Um, you know, Travis was down there. Ryan was down there. Mm-hmm. Pretty much all of Nitro Circus, Dole. Um, I think we had a crew just in our group, maybe about 18 people, uh, including Global. Awesome. And, yeah, we're down for seven days, man. That was hot. Whew. Hot down there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, it was really hot, man. We, um, we were burning up. It's uh, <laughs> coming from 28 degrees down to, you know, 85, 86, 87 degrees with 100% humidity. It yeah. was, was kind of rough. I think it's hilarious. Uh, I don't know how much you follow the scene now, motocross, supercar stuff. Do you read into? Are you reading all the websites and following it that much? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I didn't follow for a few years. You know, I was so busy working and stuff. And yep. I, I, I catch a race here and there, but last year I literally watched every supercross, every outdoor national, and every GP. Oh, cool. And just. Yeah, getting that interest back in it, you know? Um, I think it's funny because when the Puerto Rico guys were announced at Unadilla, all the shit happened, and and, and there were so many people pissed off. All the promoters and and AMA and different people were all pissed, and and a lot of it had to do with a little bit of Ronnie Mack getting involved, but it goes from that to the guys capturing everybody's uh, imagination at Redbud um, to now helping out Puerto Rico and donating all their time and money, and, and you were down there, and... And it has done a complete 180 on from the initial team announcement to how they're looked at, perceived now. I just have to laugh at the ones that were judging very harshly when they were announced. Yeah, there were there were definitely people judging very harshly, and you know it was at the beginning. It it, 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 it seemed almost kind of like a joke, you know. Yeah. But and then once everything came to fruition and. You know, they, they got K-Dub on board. I mean, it. I was talking to Travis down in Puerto Rico, and I was just amazed that those guys just came off the couch, really. I mean, Ryan Sipes still, you know, is competitive. He's doing, you know, GNCC stuff and stuff like that. And uh, But K-Dub came off the couch. I mean, you saw, and he, he busted out a 14th fastest lap yeah. in the GP practice. Uh-huh. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So... Yeah, it was cool, man. Uh, the, I, I called him the over thirty club. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. I gotta say. Um, hey, so uh, before we get too far into this podcast, I guess, and you're getting back on bike, bike and all that. Um, one of the things that I had heard years ago was you were pissed about a a video I did with Ping, and and someone had told me that. You were it was more Ping than myself. You and Ping, I guess, have this rivalry going back a long time, uh, and so we did like a classic commentary and Ping threw some jokes about you or something. And then I heard through the grapevine that you were basically telling myself and Ping to f off, which I thought was awesome, by the way. But um, so there's a rivalry with you and Ping, and there always has been, I guess. And do you remember any of this, or was this all made up? Well, definitely Ping and I had a little bit of a rivalry, you know. Uh-huh. Um, we battled pretty hard, and we always, always seemed to come together. It seemed like just about every race. Um, and then, you know, in 2000, it finally came to, you, you know, we, we were battling for the title. I missed out the title by six points. Mm-hmm. You know, I won the last race in, in Dallas. Uh, Ping got second. He missed the title by two points. Jay Bentley ended up winning, and it was kind of a crazy season that year. But it was, yeah. yeah. And I go way back, and 
you know, we, we are, I mean, we're good. Yeah. You know, yeah. No, let's, we're all grown up now. We're all old. It doesn't matter anymore, but <laughs> yeah, you know, do, you know, racing's racing and, and that's just kind of what happens sometimes, you know, but uh, now I have nothing but respect uh, for Ping and he's a good dude. He's funny. I, I read his columns all the time and he does a great job. Good family guy. Right. I and just, him, I, we just, we just, we didn't speak on the phone, but we IG'd each other and kept it really, you know, brief on light. But yeah, it's, He's a good dude. Uh, yeah, someone had said, "Dude, Schnell's pissed. He, you know, f off the ping. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, Mavis." And I'm just like, "Oh my god, I didn't realize." And then I said something to Ping, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I mean, Schnell never got along. I mean, this is a long time ago now, but I thought I, thought, I always laughed at that." Uh, no, he he said a couple things and kind of threw you know my brother under the bus and said something that kind of ticked me off. But nah, <laughs> right. it's all good. <laughs> oh, good to hear. Good to hear. Um, all right, let, hey, let's uh, let's cover your career a little bit, some of the ups and downs, and uh, talk about some uh, some regrets and, and things you're proud of and, and all that kind of stuff. I think people will dig it. Uh, so as you mentioned, you're born in Ohio. You end up in uh, Rancho Cucamonga early on. How do you first get into a motorcycle? How do you first get on a bike on a bike? Well, like like a lot of you know kids through their through their families or their parents. My dad bought me a bike when I was I don't know the first bike I got was probably when I was six. Got on the bike and we went out to Moreno Valley and it had a clutch on it and I uh, I went ahead and looped it out on a dirt road. And, you know, was crying like a little baby and I was like, I'll never ride a dirt bike again. And, you know, it took me a little while to get back on, but I started really started riding. You know. 60s and 80s, probably around seven and a half to eight years old. My dad used to ride quite a bit. Um, he never raced or anything, but uh-huh. he'd always go out to the desert and you know play ride, have fun, and um, you know it was once I started racing. You know we go Glen Helen, De Anza, all the hot spots back then, and yep. SoCal. It just kind of you know went from there, yep. and then, you know eventually it got more serious and more serious. I, I really never took it serious when I was on on mini bikes uh, at all. I knew that that's what I wanted to do, but um, just really never took it seriously. And then, funny story: when I was a freshman in high school, my my dad, I he told me I, I kept ditching class right uh-huh. all the yep. time to, to go ride. And he said, uh, he says, man, if you keep doing that, I'm going to sell your bikes. And I was like, no, nah, you're not going to do that. <laughs> you won't do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that's exactly what he did when I was 14. As a freshman, he sold my bike. So from 14 to 16, I didn't ride at all. No way! Wow, those are like prime. Those are like prime years for you know getting good and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so I didn't ride at all. I got into BMX a lot. Uh, you know, racing Cold Canyon. We go to you know the the Grands and uh, Reno, all these nationals around the country and. Had a great time doing that. Kept myself busy, out of trouble. You know, uh, out of the blue, my dad said, "Hey, you want another bike?" I'm like, Heck yeah, I want a bike. <laughs> what? Uh, what? Who's your peers? Who are you racing when you get back on the bike? Like, what? What years are this? Who? Who's kind of your? You know, guys you're racing against at Glen Helen and Deanza and Paris and all this. What, what group of guys? Oh is this? man, there there were a lot of guys growing up around that time. Um, I had started. As soon as I got my bike, I started in the 125 miles class. And, yeah. Man, I, I mean, I raced against guys like, you know, Dean Van Ripper and Donald Upton and uh, Steve Cox, um, Mike Batista, you know. Okay. Had the, yeah. There was a whole crew there, um, 
you know, around the, the Paris area, we'd go all the time, obviously, and race. And um, that's when back in, you know, back in the early 90s when Goat had GFI and there was huge, massive turnouts of people. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are those are some guys. Um, and then once I would get out to the amateur races, I'd be racing against Wyndham. Okay. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what bike did your dad buy you when he got back into it? When you got back into it, what was it? He bought me a KX125. I took it out to Glen Helen. Uh, it was one of the first times I rode the bike, and it grenaded off of a like a little double, went over the bars. <laughs> and I said, I'm not riding this piece of shit anymore. <laughs> he said, okay, let's, let's go down to Suzuki country. That used to be in Norco. Okay. And he got me an RM125, and, you know, after that, I mean, I rode Suzuki's till. Nine to six. Yeah. All right. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So your dad gets you a bike again. Uh, and when do you start going to Loretta's? Around after that? Or were you talking Loretta's before that when you mentioned uh, going back to the ranch? So I think I think the two years that I went, it may have been 93, 94. Okay. So after you get the bike back or whatever. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I went from like 125 novice to, you know, pro and probably, let's see, about two years or so. I mean, yeah. it went really, really fast, a lot faster than I ever thought it would. So you must, uh, yeah, so you you know, know, yeah, at some point you're like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. Like, I, I actually have some talent for riding a motorcycle. Well, I knew that that's what I always wanted to do, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's kind of like winning. You know, everyone wants to win, but are you willing to put in the time and effort to work? And at that time, I was, especially after my dad took <laughs> my bikes away for two years. I'm like, dude, I'm not letting it go. <laughs> yeah, really, right? Um, so yeah. that, yeah. So you're doing the amateur stuff. You're going to Loretta's, uh, and you're looking at being a pro. Um, are you going? Are you one of those kids? Is your dad taking you to Anaheim's and all this? And, and you're seeing like Damon Huffman and all these dudes. Is this around that area? Are you going to the pro races? Because you live in SoCal, so there, there's tons there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, man. we would go to the Coliseum. I remember being at the Coliseum with Bradshaw Stanton for battling for the title. Oh, really? Huh? Stand, yeah, yeah. Right, right across from the finish line, you know, witnessing all that, and you know, going in the pits and seeing, you know, I remember going to the Golden States uh, when I was a youngster and seeing Lachine ride at Bailey and dude, that was, like, was those that. things were so that was such an epic time where they would just show up and race at local races. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, even after that, even even after that, there in you know the early '90s, you know, uh, and, and sometimes even the mid '90s, we go race Anaheim or San Diego, and then you go out to Paris for a GFI race, and you see McGrath out there, mm-hmm. on, you know, the day after Anaheim. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was good times for sure. Um, did you ever get rock starred by any pro guys when you were a kid? Oh man, I not really. No. I guess no, no. I wouldn't say that. No. Um, you mentioned your brother. Is he older or younger? And how was he? Um, he is one year younger than I am. Okay, and he he was kind of just below me all the time. Uh, he actually turned pro um, right after I did. Maybe about a year after I did. Okay, he he, he wanted to race. Um, he a lot of people, uh, I think Bones included thought that he was going to be, you know, faster than I was, but he, um, he, he broke his femur at Paris. We were actually in the same race. You know, they used to do like a pro, yeah. uh, first gate drop and then intermediate set gate drop. And on the same, same course, same time, he broke his femur. And, um, you know, after that, he just kind of, he kind of, you know, bubbled out. He yep. just, he really wasn't in it. He, 
he still was riding. Uh, he did a couple of super crosses and tried to qualify, but he was like, no, nah, I'm not doing this. Right, right. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, do you start getting some help from Suzuki? Do you, does Suzuki start, like, look, like back then especially, Suzuki was not scared to help, you know, guys out with bikes and parts and everything else. Were you getting, were, were people keeping an eye on you? Absolutely. Um, I had a deal with Suzuki from, let's see, 90, I think it was 95, in 96, it may have been 94, but yeah, they were floating, you know, six or seven bikes a year. You get to keep your bikes, mm-hmm. 25,000 in parts and, yeah. you know, a, a little bit of money every month. I mean, it, back then it was just crazy what the manufacturers did, you know, floating and all kinds of money everywhere. <laughs> it was. I mean, I, I don't know how it is nowadays. I, I'm assuming it's not like that unless you're, you know, you're like a rider to Francisco or whatever, but it's, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it was cool. I mean, Tyler Alexander, back in the day, he helped out tremendously. Especially Suzuki. Good God, they helped out so many people with so much parts. And I was just talking about this with Chris Wheeler the other day. You know, Chris Wheeler is now a big boss at Suzuki. Um, and uh, we were talking about that. This, the support Suzuki gave to so many riders was incredible back then. You know, but it yeah. also paid off. They won a lot of races, especially 125 stuff, you know. Yeah, they. That was one of the things, you know. I was, I was always the next guy. You know, Damon, you know, Damon Houseman. He was, he was winning. Craig Decker was up there. Um, you know, you had Brian Swink at one point. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys. I was kind of right behind those guys, and you know, hoping to, you know, get back in, get into one of their roles once they moved up a little bit. But those guys were dominant. You know, on Ezra Lusk. Yep. Um, Suzuki had it locked down back then. Absolutely. So, if you look at the vault on Racer X, you got ninth in San Jose in '94. Is that your first ever race, or is that the first ever main event? I think it's the first ever main event. I, okay. I think that year I tried to qualify for Seattle and I barely missed out. Um, as far as any other races that I didn't make, there may have been one other one that year, but '94 I didn't even plan on going. Uh, you know, racing Supercross there because I still had to do Loretta's and stuff. Mm-hmm. I talked with Pat Alexander, and I'm like, man, I just, I'm, I really want to ride Supercross. And he gave me the green light, and he says, okay, well, you know, you can always do the Pro Sport class at uh, Loretta's. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, let's just, let's just jump up right now and, you know, try to get my feet wet. Not, nice job, though. Ninth in your first career main is nothing to be ashamed about. That's nice work, cracking the top ten. No, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was not that bad, man. I mean, uh, you know, I always really, really enjoyed racing supercross and yeah uh, for my first man yeah that wasn't that wasn't too bad yeah when i think about you on a bike or think about your career schnell and i was certainly around for most of it i started in uh 96 as a mechanic i think of about a guy who's very technical who jumped a lot of big stuff <laughs> you know what i mean like like that's how i picture you like you you were on maybe say a semi-factory bike you know not a factory bike and you would still jump everything and you got good starts and you're a very good supercross rider Hey, I, that was just uh, yeah. I was very technical. I, you know, it wasn't this Ricky Carmichael wide open all the time everywhere. Yeah, bike sideways. I, that wasn't my riding style at all. Uh, it's more definitely more smooth and technical. And I always wanted to ride Supercross. And um, yeah, at the very beginning, I didn't have such the greatest bikes. You know, uh-huh. um, through the years, I was fortunate enough and and to, you know to get some better parts. Um, yeah, make make some things happen, and very uh, very grateful for the people that helped me out throughout my career. So, 
In 95, you get third in San Jose, your first podium. It's a year after you first tried Supercross, so you're clearly catching on here. Pingree wins. So maybe this is where it all begins now. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> Pingree wins. Uh, Huffman second. You're third. Hughes fourth. Decker fifth. Are you still a privateer at this point in 95? Like, what? Who's Obviously, Suzuki's helping you, but are you on a team or no? No, I was just still under Pat Alexander. Yep. Um, just you know, hoping to do good. That was my first podium, obviously, and just kind of like like I said earlier, kind of trying to be that next guy to kind of float float into maybe a position over at the factory Suzuki team after you know Hoffman and yep. and those guys moved up. But yeah, that was my first podium. Still, a, you know, an amateur Suzuki guy wasn't on any team. Um, that definitely opened up some doors. Um, I actually got a lot of help from, you know, uh, the McGrath family around that time. Um, I was wearing Cinesol gear, um, you know, and, and they, I mean, they helped out tremendously. I, it, it was amazing what they did for me back in the day. I mean, it, without their help, I mean. It, That's awesome. Who That's knows cool. Where, where yeah. What, like, what, like money help or ride the track help or technical help or what are we talking Oh, just, you know, getting getting my foot in the door. You know, like at Cinesalo. Uh, Cinesalo was a great company to work with. Uh-huh. Um, you know, being able to ride their track. Because, you know, back then there were hardly any Supercross tracks in SoCal that you could ride in, unless you were a factory guy. So, yeah. Um, even as an amateur Suzuki guy growing up, um, it, it was still hard to get on the Suzuki track. Roger would let me occasionally, but not yeah. very often. Now, mm-hmm. it's it's legendary – it's known legendary that DeCoster doesn't have a whole lot of time for kids and 125s and all that, especially back in the day. Um, you know, Ramsey and Ferry and Yogi will all tell you stories and Huffman and Berludi and all these guys that I know. So for you, Chanel, you got third. I mean, you're honest. You know, you're Pat Alexander's guy. You're 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 starting off the '96 season. Uh, two four. Uh, two, or, sorry, Minneapolis first round twelfth. Then you go two four seven five. You know, four again in '96. Like, is is Roger speaking to you? Is he telling you, like, hey, keep it up? We'll, we'll, we'll maybe have a spot for you. I mean, these are really good results you're getting. You know, Roger. It's funny. He, I've known Roger for a very, very long time. You know, he would say congratulations or good ride or this or that. But it's like it's like Berluti and all these other guys said. He he was so busy with the factory guys that he really didn't have a whole lot of time. It's almost like it's two completely separate packages. You know, you got the amateur guys that are Pat, and then you got Rogers guys up at the top. And yeah, he, I definitely never do it in clips or anything like that from Roger. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, that's exactly how he was. And, um, you know, I, I did a lot of pre production testing back then. Oh, did Roger. you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we developed that, the bike in 96. There was a new, uh, new 125 and 250 coming from uh, 95. Right, right side up forks, yeah. Right side up forks, right? <laughs> oh, my God, those things, yeah. So, yeah, I spent a lot of time with Roger um, doing that kind of stuff, pre-production stuff, but not not on the, the factory team. No. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, 96, dude, you start off with a 12th at Minneapolis, but two, four, seven, five, four, the next rounds. Pretty good. Did you get hurt after that? Because then, then it goes into 97, and you're on a Yamaha. So what happens to the rest of 96? So in 96, um, I still was under Pat, but I already had a Suzuki contract with, you know, getting six or seven bikes uh-huh. at 25K apart. And then 
But Larry Brooks called one day, and he offered me a ride over to Chaparral team. And if you remember back in the day, it was that first year. It was uh, I was on a Suzuki. Larry was not only the team manager, yeah. but he was still racing at the time on the Yamaha. And then we had Brian Deegan on the East Coast on a Honda. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it. Uh, I was on that team for two years. I did get hurt in St. Louis in '96. I destroyed my wrist uh, at St. Louis. I they didn't pack the – I was in the first heat. They didn't pack the lip of the triple very well. Mm-hmm. So it was just like a sponge, and I, I sunk in. and went over the bars, and Sean Perulio landed on me, snapped my wrist. I ended up getting a bunch of uh, uh, damage to my wrist on top of just the structural damage as far as nerve damage. Yep. Um, so that was really, really difficult to deal with. It took me quite some time to actually recover from it. I, I still don't have feeling it. Really? Yeah. Huh? So, uh, yeah, my index finger. I still have a feeling in it. Um, yeah, that that was a little bit. And Larry admits that was a bad idea riding different brands, you know, and all that. Um, it was a <laughs> truck and trailer and everything. And yeah, Larry was still trying to race, definitely. And Deegan, Deegan doesn't didn't enjoy his time there either. This was Deegan beginning to slip to the dark side, quote unquote. But uh, uh, yeah, it, it was a little bit of a cluster team, a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, it was kind of. That whole three manufacturer thing on the one team, there was a lot of work involved there on Larry's part and Dave Cameron's part. And mm-hmm. it probably wasn't the greatest idea. Uh, it was very interesting, for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I don't I don't think it actually worked out. And then, you know, we, we all went to Yamaha's in 97. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, you're, you're back on. Chaparral steps up in 97. Uh, higher button. Lawrence uh, Brandes, I think. You. Uh-huh. Um, and they got a rig, and they're all on Yamahas. Um, are you trying to stick with Suzuki, or because of the injury, do they let you go, or do you are you frustrated with your time at, uh, there? Or how does that how does that switch go for you? Do you or do you just say, hey, I need a ride. I'm, I'm going Yamahas. Well, it was. I really wanted to stick with uh, the Chaparral team. Okay, it was nothing against Suzuki. I mean, I, I really didn't have a whole lot of options because I did get hurt. And mm-hmm. I literally didn't race any outdoors that summer i had multiple surgeries on my wrist and you know one of the things that um one of the reasons why i you know signed with the chaparral team is because of larry you know he all talked and i thought you know with larry's help it was going to get me to that next level and it yep. actually did um financially for me it wasn't probably the best move you know i i gave up a lot there, but on, on the back end, you know, uh, without Larry's help, I mean, he, he taught me a lot. Man. That, that guy is intense, I'll tell you that. Yeah, you know, he gets a bad rap. He had a couple uh, teams fold up on him. I worked for him in 99 uh, as Ferry's mechanic for the summer for the Nationals, and I've known him for a long time. And and uh, he always he, – he, he, he did a great job with Red Dog in 99. He's done a great job with a lot of riders. He's very intense. Uh, I, I – I, I know there's not always people who are a ton of fans, but Larry will go to the wall for you if you're his guy, and he knows a lot about the sport. Absolutely. Uh, Larry, I mean, single-handedly, he he would go out to the track. We had our own track out at Glen Helen, right? And, and he would sit there day after day doing laughs with me and the rest of the guys. Just You know how intense that guy is. Yeah, man. Just, yeah. You, you know, calling us pussy. You guys can't do this. You guys need to do that. And, I, I mean, it, but that's, you know, he would tell you what you needed to hear. And uh-huh. that's, that's what you need. You can't have someone just sugarcoat and everything. And, um, 
you know, I have a lot of respect for him. He's a good dude, and, and you know, he's done a lot for the sport. Obviously, he's, he's been all over the map, different teams, and mm-hmm. um, I had nothing nothing but good times with, with Larry, man. He's a good yep. dude. Yeah, he and he worked his balls off, too, man. He's not one of these... Like, he had a good career on the bike, and he accomplished a lot. He wasn't a superstar by any means, but he, the guy's not scared to work. Like, he will just put, he'll just grind for 18 hours a day to try to make his team or his rider better. Absolutely, man. The guy's a workhorse for sure. Just pounding Mountain Dews, huh, Schnelli? Just pounding Mountain Dews. Like, like bro, you should stop with the Mountain Dews, Larry. <laughs> He would be. We would laugh at it because he was so intense. Right? He'd be, he'd be doing the pit board for you know me and Preston and Brandis on yeah. track, and you know he. I remember one time I I um I was getting ready for I think it was Orlando, maybe '96. I was going to try the 250 class mm-hmm. at that point, and him and I it was just him and I out at the track, and I ended up going over the bars in the wolf section, and you know I hit my nuts. And I'm sitting there just winded, and he comes over and he's like. What's wrong? He's like, did you hit your nuts? And he's just laughing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds about right for him. Um, yeah. So, how did, how was Button and Lawrence for you? Did they did they help you out? I mean, those guys were coming off pretty good privateer years uh, the year before. Uh, they didn't duplicate their results, but a couple of uh, good guys that you probably knew for a while, huh? Absolutely. Those those two guys are absolutely amazing, man. I, I learned a lot from Button and Lawrence. You know, speaking of Suzuki, the couple years prior to that, you know, Lawrence, he was riding for them as well. And, yep. Um, I got to know him a little bit over there. And, um, yeah, those guys, I mean, they may not have had the best results in 97, but they were definitely solid. And they had a lot of a lot of experience to, you know, share. So it was, a, it was definitely a good time to be around. And Phil would just kill it with the ladies. Just absolutely oh, kill dear. it with the ladies. Absolutely kill it. Just, <laughs> you said it right. Right. <laughs> Factory Phil. Um Factory Phil. Uh and then so okay, so that's that's that Chaparral year. The next year when do you go to Motor World? I went to Motor World in ninety eight. Um Okay. So next year. In, in ninety seven I think I had maybe one podium at I think it was uh Saint Louis. I think I got a second, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, yeah, you did. Yep. Still struggling with my my broken wrist. Uh like I said, the structural damage um was okay but i had nerve damage and it was it wasn't healing so i you know my confidence was kind of shot and um you know 90 at the end of 97 that's what button and button was trying for real and that's when you know his his good friend jeremy came in and yep. that's when they started the whole sheriff real mcgrath button team and um that left everyone else out you know yeah uh, so i was you know kind of in the dark looking for stuff and I ended up uh, going to an arena cross in San Diego, meeting up with uh, Andy Harrington, and you know he he put me on to the motorboat guys, man. And, and I, I worked for those guys from ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, and two thousand one. Mm-hmm. And those are probably my most memorable and fun years. I mean, those guys down there were amazing. They did they would bend over backwards for you, you know, as as far as a sponsor, they would float so many bikes and parts and yeah. I mean, for a bike shop to do that. I mean, even back then, it was uh, unheard of. So. Brian Junkie was the, one of the owners of Motor World. Uh, I, I've known him for a long time when he raced up in Canada when he lived in North mm-hmm. Dakota. And then uh, Paul Lindsay ran it. Um, and uh, yeah, they did a good job for a long time. Dean Gibson was there. I think, was he your guy? Was Dean Gibson ever your guy? Or He was, he was my guy for the outdoors 
in 01. Okay. I think it was. Uh, a lot of good riders. Yeah, a lot of good riders and people came through that team in the, in the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, back in the day in 98, I think Andy, Andy Harrington, uh, Dustin Nelson, those guys were already uh, riding for him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they came through. They were still riding Supercross. And then, um, you know, once 2000 hit, I, I kind of came to, uh, you know, a head uh, with myself. I was like, man, I, I better either, you know, I got to shit or get off the pot, really. Yeah. Um, you know, after getting multiple podiums and this and that, and, um, you know, I finally made the decision to just pull the trigger and try to try to make something happen, you know. Um I kind of I wasn't very consistent all the way up until then, so um, you know I'd have some good races here, mm-hmm. you know, bad races here, and then. Um, but yeah, those guys down there are awesome. I, I love Brian Chunky, man. He's a good dude. Race Tech suspension and engines, people. Pulpum X eighteen is the code to save. Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, Race Tech specializing in high performance suspension, parts, service, and setups. Modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Race Tech. Guys like the HEP Suzuki team and many more in the pits use Race Tech for their suspension and engines mods. Pulpomex 18, you can save using the code. Please check them out, racetech.com. Do it. Maxxis Tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between, Maxxis Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath. Did you get your wrist feeling better? What did that year did or the off season or anything like? Was there a reason why, you know, you started racking up consistent results again? Was there a, a medical reason or? No, so I had a doctor, uh, and you may know him. His name's Doctor Murphy. He was down in San Diego. Yeah. He was Larry's doctor. Yep, yep. Um, a lot of guys. He fixed my wrist, and I I kept having problems with it even after he fixed it, and. I'm like, man, I just I don't need any feelings in my, you know, my thumb, my inner palm. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I was like, well, we can go get it tested, and so that's what we did. It found out that I had some medial nerve damage, uh, and you know, obviously when it comes to nerves, you just don't know if it's going to regenerate or not. So, you know, that's kind of the the time I let it try to heal. You know, had some good races in '98. Mm-hmm. Um, 99, I felt a little better, but um, still not 100%. But that was the time when I said, you know what, I either have to try to do this, like make something happen, or just go do something else. And I just came to terms. I had a discussion with some, you know, my family and stuff. I'm like, you know what, I still want to do this and see if I can make it happen. And, you know, I'm not going to complain about my hand. I'm just going to deal with it. So yeah. really my entire career, I – raced with pretty much a numb hand half my hand was numb the whole Jeez. time wow mm-hmm. um september uh january 22nd 2000 san diego you take the win uh beating volan and shea bentley um i remember i remember that and maybe i'm totally wrong chanel but i was at this race uh i don't think my rider was on the 450 class this this year but um i think you just took 
the lead early and checked out. Like I don't remember any drama or any 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 challenge for you. You just won this one pretty easily. Am I right? Well, I I actually got a terrible start. Okay, all right. <laughs> I may have started around eighth or so, and uh, slowly started picking my way through. Um, it just I don't know what it was, but it's, at that particular race, things started to click. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just I felt really comfortable, really good. I had good people around me, and I just started picking people off. And, um, you know, that that was one of the races where Ping and I got involved and did a little thing. And, um, you know, I, I didn't mean to take him out, but, you know, that's kind of what happened back then. Him and I would seem to run into each other all the time. Yeah, but, uh, yeah he was one of the casualties when I was rolling through um, but yeah, no, that was, that was my first win. And, you know, it was definitely wasn't easy. It, it felt easy. Yeah. Uh, okay. But, but it definitely was not. Uh, yeah. I seem to just remember being like, oh yeah, Schnell's got this. Like, see you later. You know what I mean? Like, but okay. Yeah. Um, and that feeling of crossing the line just must've been, especially San Diego. Again, it's not your home city, but it's SoCal, um, must've been just awesome. It was amazing. I, you know, I I have a couple wins, and obviously that was my first one. Yep. There's no other feeling that you can replicate that as far as winning a Supercross. It was amazing. I had my dad as my mechanic. I mean, it was it, it was it was just a surreal moment. Mm-hmm. Um, two years prior to that, um, you know, my dad and I didn't even speak, and you know, for him, I actually went to my dad. I think it was January first, maybe second. Of 2000, uh, after not talking to him for a couple of years, said, "Hey, man, I really want to try to make this happen. Will you help?" And he's like, "Absolutely." What had happened? And what had happened? Just typical dad kid racing stuff, or that you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it was. That's exactly what it was. You know, I thought I knew everything. And, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I knew every. I knew. I knew how to swim the space shuttle. Dad, I, I'm fine with this stripper as a girlfriend, and I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine not practicing all week. I got this, Dad. Oh, dude, go in the go in the club metro on Tuesdays. I try and beat club on Thursday, you know, like, on the weekends. And my dad's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Dude? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, we've we've all been there for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, everything everything started coming together at that point, and it was it was just a an amazing feeling to have my dad in my corner and to win with. I mean, not not a lot of people get that opportunity to win as your with your dad no. as your mechanic. No. It just just the sheer, you know, love and everything that I saw in his face when I crossed that finish line. That's cool. Um, and also, two people got to remember, Yamaha Troy is the official factory Yamaha support team at this point. It's not Motor World. Um, you guys are a next level down. You know, you're getting your uh, – who's doing your motors, Mitch, or who's doing the motors and suspension? Is it is – it, Yeah, Mitch. Yeah. I've always been a Mitch guy. Right. He, he has always helped me. He was giving me some good stuff and – you know how Mitch is, man. I I would make deals with him all the time. Like, hey, if I get a podium, can I get a you know carbon fiber phone? <laughs> you know, if I can I get a, if I get a second, can I get this? Yeah. And he's like, absolutely. So he started floating some good stuff. I didn't have any factory parts in that bike, and right. lucky, uh, luckily, the, the Yamaha top point was pretty good straight out of the box. I mean, yeah, they were. Give credit to those guys. I mean, they were. They were solid, and so it's so you know. Again, me being there, it's like holy shit! Motor World Yamaha won this main event, like it was a big deal, and and Greg Schnell won this main event, and and it was you know a real underdog story, and for you to do it um, was certainly pretty cool in San Diego, where Motor World is from. Also, you know what I mean? Like, good God, couldn't ask for any better. 
for Motor World. Yeah, that was it. Was a, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. That's for sure. Well, uh, the next week you got 18th. What happened? What happened, Schnell? Oh man, it. <laughs> this is a funny story. I mean, it wasn't funny at the time. Yeah. Um, man, I I never really have done well in Phoenix. Whether it was in the old Tempe Stadium yeah. or in the downtown stadium, I just have never done well there. You know, at this time, it didn't matter what bike I was riding. I always liked using Honda levers. Okay. I liked the way they felt. Yep. Um, That's about the time when, you know, ARC was coming out with their fold-up levers and all that. I didn't want to run them. I wanted to run stock Honda levers. I just liked the feel of them. So, you know, old school, my dad would drill these holes, you know, the old trick, you drill a hole in the the levers. They'd snap off the ends. Well, at that particular race, my dad and I would get into it all the time, and I'd I'd be like, "Stop tinkering with my bike, leave it alone." Yeah, you know. So, you know, I showed up to to Phoenix uh, when I got that 18th, and and I looked at my levers. I'm like, "Where's the hole at?" And he's like, "Oh, you don't need it. You're going to be just fine." I said, "Dad, you never know." So, sure as shit, in the main event, Colin Bowen and I got together over the finish line, and we had a big one together. I uh, went flying off the track, mm-hmm. top blocks. Broke my class course off. Um, so I, I think I've been running like a fifth or something like that, maybe a sixth. Yeah. And, you know, I was riding pretty good, pretty consistent. I felt comfortable and confident, but then I broke the class course off. So, you know, on a 125 back yeah. then when the track was so big, got to have a clutch. So that was um, it. that's kind of what happened. Uh, yeah, that was it. Um so okay, the you win min or second place in Minneapolis, get back on the podium. Uh final round, Texas, of course. Uh, you know, um Primal Impulse apparently hires some guys to clean Shea Bentley out on the first turn, but um uh, it was Robbie Horton or somebody was gunning for him. I don't remember how that went, but Horton ended up taking ping down on the first turn. <laughs> um and Bentley, I think, at 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 some point. And and you ended up winning uh Dallas the final round. What were you what were you behind in points going in? Do you remember? Oh, it was double digits. It may have been like 14 okay. or 15 points. So I knew it was an outside launch zone. Yep. But, um, yeah, that first turn was an absolute, it was a chaotic mess. I actually ended up going over the first turn. Oh, did you? Yeah. Onto, the, <laughs> onto the concrete. I didn't, I don't believe I fell, but I spun out on the concrete. And, you know, Ping and I, I mean, not only did Robbie take his teammate out, but he took just about, 80% of the field yeah. out with him. <laughs> yeah. My my guy, Keith so, Johnson, did not get taken out. Keith Johnson survived, and I think he ran fourth or fifth for a while, and then I was very excited. Then he got eaten up, but I was excited. Yeah, he did. He was riding really good. I remember that like it was yeah. yesterday. Man. On a KTM, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay, yeah, so yeah, another another win for you. That's awesome. Another win, yeah. Um, it was awesome. I, I've always done good Texas, man. Uh, Dallas or Houston. Always like the tracks. They usually build a pretty big, big whoops. Always been a big whoop guy. And um, also, yeah, too, uh, hard pack as hell, Dallas, and you're a SoCal guy, so you know how to ride that stuff. Absolutely, I, I really enjoyed the hard pack stuff. And you know, that was one of the races. You know, Ping Ping finished second. He was only just a couple seconds behind me, and mm-hmm. I knew where the points were. And I knew if I won, he wasn't going to win the title. He missed it by two points. So. Yep. You know, I'm sure for years, I'm sure he was better at that. That, that didn't help the relationship. No, probably not. Well, uh, if you remember, uh, maybe you don't remember, but there was confusion. And at first, people said Penguin won the title because there was all this confusion. And I remember for about 
a minute or two, they're like, ping, you got it. You got the title. Because we were just all kind of after the race, just hanging out there. Um, mm-hmm. And then it was the math was done and, and Shea won. But uh, yeah, it was a crazy race for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was a crazy race. And, and yeah, there was so much confusion. I mean, it, it probably took him, what, a good 10 or 15 It did, right? It minutes. seemed like it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. At this point, like like you said, you're, you're tight with Mitch. Um, are, are you getting approached by other teams, by factory full factory support teams? Yes, I did. Um, and especially after Supercross was over after Vegas, you know, we go, we were all in the outdoors in 2000. And, you know, I had an offer from KTM. Uh, had an offer from Mitch. Um, even had an offer from Roger and. At that time, uh, you know, I didn't. Obviously, I didn't take any of those. Yeah, what the hell happened, Schnell? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let me tell you what happened. Yeah, yeah, tell me. <laughs> so I was really comfortable with the Yamaha guys at that time. Right. They, you know, they said they were going to give me good parts for the next year or two, which they did. Um, I really liked the the atmosphere at Yamaha at that time. You know, you had Keith Cardi, you had Steve Butler. Uh, Bob Oliver, all mm-hmm. of those guys were amazing dudes. Um, and I liked the bike. I didn't, I really didn't want to go anywhere. You know, I was comfortable. Mitch was doing my bikes. Um, even though young, I said they were going to give me some good parts and stuff. You know, I still wanted to run some of Mitch's stuff. And, mm-hmm. and so I was comfortable. And, you know, I really like Brian Junkie, man. He's, he's one of the, one of my favorite dudes of all time in the industry. He's just a solid guy, man. Yep. And, so I ended up signing with those guys. Uh, That's crazy. Uh, probably, yeah. It, it, everyone was kind of shocked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I pretty much turned down Mitch. You know, he offered me, you know, 50K to ride for him. And I'm like, man, come on. I just, you know, almost won a title as a privateer. And, you know, Mitch is the guy. He wants you to earn it, right? And I'm like, man, I just yeah. earned this. You know, and he, but, you know, I was getting at least double the money over Yamaha and he uh, that just didn't, didn't Motor World was coming up with 100k for you? They paid me free wow. after 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After yeah, after 2000. I'm impressed they had to be to make that much on, you know, on the next level down. That's good for them. Yeah, no, it, that's 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 why I stayed, man. Yep. Those guys, they stepped up to the plate and they didn't even know. We didn't even know. I signed my contract with Brian and uh, you know they were they were paying me really really well, good bonuses, and we didn't even know that we were going to have a semi for the next year. And then that's kind of when Paul Lindy come in. You know he oh Paul he, I thought I thought Paul was part of the team by then he wasn't okay. No no he he had nothing to do with the team in 2000. But ah. at the end of the year after I signed my contract, he came in with some outside money, mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know he had a construction buddy or something and bought a semi and. Yeah, so we we were rolling that way. So, huh. um, so, but yeah, I mean, yeah. there's not a lot of people that turn down Mitch. Um, no, you know, I, that's that's kind of one of my regrets. Is and I told Don just not too long ago. We were texting back and forth, and when I found out he was retiring or semi-retiring, you know, yeah, fully retired. But uh, you know, I told him, you know, I said, man, one of my regrets regrets is not riding for Mitch because Mitch offered me a ride three different times and. Yeah, and uh, it just never panned out. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, I get the money part. You're 100 percent right. I think now in 2018, he's forced to pay uh, as equal as everybody else. Um, 
if you look at the riders' salaries, they're they're as pay, well paid as anybody else. But uh, for a long time, it was you know underpaid, and and he would give you big bonuses, and that's the way that th- things worked. So um, you know nowadays, I think it's changed a little bit. Uh, when you look at your outdoor results over the years, you got a fourth overall, uh, plenty of top tens, but for sure, like we talked about, Supercross was more your forte. But in that 2000 year, you got ninth at Troy, eighth at Washougal, ninth at, at uh, Millville in the middle of the season after not logging that great results. Anything changed that year outdoor wise? Did you did you did you figure something out a little bit to to jump up inside the top ten? Well, prior to that, I mean, I really didn't have a whole lot of. Uh, out there national experience just because, you know, the privateer, it's, it's so expensive to travel around. So I would do a lot of local stuff, you know, on the West Coast when the series went outdoors, you know, get, mm-hmm. you know, in the Midwest or back East. So didn't have a lot of outdoor experience. Um, that year in particular, uh, my bike was, was really good. Mitch, Mitch and Bones did an amazing job and that had a lot to do with it. You know, having having that YZ125 back then, out of the box being good. They were good, uh, yeah. Definitely helped. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I, it just really comes down to work. I, I really focused and, and tried to put some good results in because, obviously, out here in the States, you got to ride both good to, to get a good ride. And mm-hmm. um, So, yeah, I just put my head down. And <laughs> the outdoors was a little bit of a struggle with me for my, you know, because of my wrist. Sure. Because it would go numb, anything over about. 20 or so minutes that's kind of when my my hand will go numb and so you know i just dealt yeah. with it and really that was probably one of my most enjoyable years was 2000 yeah and there's yeah, always so a, i just there's always a really good after party in san diego after the race too i remember oh, back then. yeah where'd every we, year every year where'd we, we went to some <laughs> club with was like I don't know, it was like not finished. There was like construction going on and it was dark. And I don't know. I don't know. I have to ask Harrington. Next time I talk to Regis, I'll ask him where he took us for this after party that year. Oh, I was there. I know. I, it, I know exactly what you're talking about. There was like, it, it almost looked like a commercial building that was not Yes. Yes. Yep. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like yep. we were all part of a hostel a movie or something. I <laughs> <laughs> um, in there, but. It was a good time. It was a good time, yes. Uh, so the, in 01, you turned down KTM, you turned down Roger, you turned down Mitch, you stay at Moto World in 01, you know, you get a little bit better bikes and a little bit more support. Um, and then at some point, you get third at Anaheim. You 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 didn't finish, it looks like you didn't finish three out of the first four races. Yeah, in 01, so if you backtrack to 2000 when Yamaha told me that they were going to give me some good parts, uh-huh. um, I didn't get the parts until late. So just a, when I say late, just a couple of weeks before a one. And, and I was struggling to try to find the right setup for myself. And then on top of that, I really wasn't sure what setup to go with. And then on top of that, I, I was probably putting way too much pressure on myself. Yeah, for sure. Right? Um, and, Instead of just going out and doing my thing, I, I, I put a lot of pressure just too much, and um, I ended up crashing out at day one. Um, like you said, the first couple of rounds didn't go very well at all. So then, then, then you show up. Well, you get a third again uh, at Anaheim three. Um, I think that's the race Volan one. Is that the race Volan one? Oh no, Ernie I did. Think it is, yeah. No, Ernie did. Um, and then you end up on the East Coast. What's uh, what happened there? East Coast racing one twenty five East Coast. Um, I don't, I don't think I rode East Coast in 2001. No, it says here you did. 
Really? I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember exactly what uh, happened. Um, could, I don't know what they, that could have been the time where you could ride both coasts but get no points or something. I don't know. I don't remember all that. It, it could have been. Yeah. I, I remember back in the day when you you were able to do that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So that that may have been the case. So, I know at least some two fifty stuff at some yeah. point. I mean that may have been two thousand. Yeah, I see you get some two fifty stuff uh, jumping. I think that was. Probably a good idea for a guy like you. You're you're a little bigger too. You know what I mean for 125s. Um, how much did you weigh like in your 125 prime? Oh man, I weighed about 170, which is probably about 20 pounds heavier than everyone else. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it definitely was a struggle uh, on, on the starts. You know, my starts were very inconsistent, uh, mainly because of my weight. It was it just depend on how I got off the gate. Uh, most of the time I'd have to start in first gear um, when, you know, all these other guys were, you know, weighing about 145, 150 pounds and they were starting second. So mm-hmm. that was a little bit of a struggle uh, as far as the weight, but I couldn't get any, any lighter than that 170. So, um, but once I got rolling, I mean, everything was good. It was yeah. off that gate. And right. Sometimes I, sometimes I pull like in 2000 in Vegas, I had the biggest hole shot ever. I, I couldn't believe it. On a 125, and I'm like, how did I do that? <laughs> You're like, huh? What? <laughs> what just happened? Um, oh, my, my my bro Brandon takes credit for that. My dad and I got into a big argument right before the game. So my dad says, I'm not going to the starting line. So <laughs> Brandon, my buddy Brandon goes down there with me, and he packed the gate, and he takes 100% credit for it. <laughs> yeah, just take it. Just run with it, right? Go ahead. Yeah. Um. So, okay, the next few years you're staying with Motor World the whole time? Basically, right? Um, at the end of at the end of 2000, I signed a two year deal with Motor World to ride Yamaha. Yep. And then in in 01, you know, Paul Lindsay was a team manager, and he started switching things up and started switching. Yeah, one of the problems with a B team like that, um, and it's well known, is you know they'll have to come up with money somehow. And yeah. Sometimes they, you know, a lot of times they cut the corners. You yep. Know? Yep. And from a program from 2000 to 01, that's kind of where it was going. They started cutting corners. We started doing the little things a little bit backwards to what I would like to do. And and then sometime in the summer of 2001, um, they were planning switching to Suzuki's. And I'm like, well, Motorwell doesn't even sell Suzuki's. Yeah. Um, so how's that going to work? You know, but they were they were trying to market their dot uh, com brand uh, at the time and. You know, I, I really wanted to stay on Yamaha's, even though I had another year on my contract. And I was like, man, I had I just had a deal to sign with Roger, a two or three year deal last year, and now you want me to go to Suzuki as a you know, uh, not an amateur guy, but yeah. you know, not getting full factory parts. I'm like, I'm not doing that, man. Yeah. Huh. So, um, yeah. So Kehoe, at the time, that was his last year as a wild team manager. He approached me, him and Phil. And asked me if, um, you know, if I'd like to ride for him. I said, well, I would love to, but I, I don't have a contract. So I got a few days to get out of my contract with Motorwell. So um, <laughs> it was kind of a stressful time. Yeah. Um, so I, I ended up, you know, paying some money to get out of my contract to go ride for Yamaha Troy in 2002. Really? Huh? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I know a rider who had a deal to with a team with a support a, a B level team like you, and it specified what brand of OEM he had to ride, and the team switched OEMs on him, and he got paid a shit ton of money 
to ride, to stay and ride the other OEM. You should have had that in your deal. Yeah, I should have. Right. I absolutely should have had that in there. Yeah, <laughs> you should have said, I, you know, I, Greg Schnell, will ride for you on a Yamaha YZ. You know, then, then right. yeah. So, so it actually cost you money to get out of it and go to Troy. Yeah, it was like I said, uh, the guys over at Yamaha still and, and Eric at the time, Eric Kehoe, they, they pretty much gave me five five days to yep. to make a decision, and I was like, okay, well. Let see what I can do. And wow. the only way to get out of it was to pay a little bit of money to get out. And I was like, let's do it. You yeah. know, I'm the type of guy, I just make a decision to move forward, whether it's the right one or the wrong one. I just yeah. I try not to harp on it, you know. So Kehoe left, though? This is when Kehoe left? Kehoe left. Right. Yeah, he he was at, the, at Young Arts for up until 2002, and yeah. that's when he went to Tractor Honda. Yeah. And in 2002 at Yamaha Troy, they had Craig Dak come over from Australia. You know, he has the, the CDR team over there, and that yeah. team that Chad Reed was racing for. Um, so he actually moved to Rancho, uh, the town that I grew up in, and um, we became really good friends. I actually rode for uh, Craig Dak's team in 2000 in Sydney. Okay. There Supercross over there. So I kind of knew him a little bit already, but, you know, that's when Reed came over in 02, and, and um, yeah, so yep. everything worked out. Yeah, um, I think it was shortly after Dak only stayed a year, and then it kind of went south from there a little bit. Um, yeah, with the team, yeah. you know. Um, mm-hmm. So you enjoyed your time there, though. Racked up a couple more podiums. Uh, wait, did you get a podium? I got a podium. I think in St. Louis. Yeah. Um, yep. I think I may have got a third. I was in second in the last lap. I, you know, I had a little bit of a bobble, and I think Sorby got by me. But um, but yeah, I enjoyed my time over there. Like I said, the Yamaha guys have always been super cool. Got along with all those guys. They helped me out tremendously. Yeah, um, it was cool to be on a team with you know Chad Reed and um, who else was over there? I think Roger Thane was there at the time. Thane, Danny Smith, maybe or no? When you're after no, maybe, yeah. I, I think Ivan. It was I think Hanson or Ivan or maybe both were on yeah. the team that year. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hanny Hanny had sporadic appearances here and there for the team. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, that's cool. That's interesting. And then, so how do you end up on a Honda in '04? So at the end of at the end of 2002, uh, well, actually Pontiac that that year, uh, 2002 at Yamaha, I dislocated my shoulder and in the main at Pontiac, and I needed to get it fixed. Uh-huh. Um, you know how those go. I mean, it can yeah. go either way, really. So I I ended up. Telling the guy, I said, "Man, I need to get it fixed halfway through the outdoor season." And they were they were bombed that I was getting it fixed. But I was like, "I got to get it fixed, man. I want to be ready for next year." And um, so at the end of the year, you know, I, they didn't resign me, and I really, really wanted to ride a 250. Um, and you know, I had a couple, had two really co- cool agents at the time, and they're like trying to talk me into riding the 125. Like, man, I really want to ride a 250. Mm-hmm. I, I want to give it a shot, even though my hand, you, you know, would go numb. I really had a difficult time with the bigger bike, with the vibration, vibration and everything. It, yep. it, it was a struggle. But I, I, I couldn't really live with myself if I didn't give it a shot. So I yeah. ended up doing the privateer, privateer thing all year in 03. Oh, did you really? I don't, I don't uh, remember you being a privateer in 03. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I rode for – actually, I rode for I, – I got a deal – with a shop up in Canada called Riverside Motorsports. Yeah, I, mean, I know them. Yeah, and uh, Danny Yagi was the he's the guy up there, and I they floated me a few bikes, 
got a chance to ride the 250 pretty much the entire series. I, I think I may have missed the first couple rounds due to injury, but um, and then for the nationals, I went up to Canada and did the eight round series up there. I do not have any memory of you memory of you doing the Canadian nationals. That's really weird. Yeah. Well, it's understandable. I didn't do very good. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but me being Canadian, I'm supposed to be up on this. So, um, so yeah, you got a seventh in Houston in a, in the 250 main. Just lurked mm-hmm. outside the top ten for most of those races. So, um, how did you get around? Did you drive to all of them, or what, your mechanic drove a van, or what? No, we just. I, what I did was, uh, I had a buddy of mine. Uh, he had a box van, and, and I used his box van to travel around. With him. My mechanic, and yeah, we just traveled around like that uh, for all the supercrosses, and, and then um, once the Canadian Nationals rolled around, you know, yeah. they had a, a truck and trailer up there, and, and flew from, you know, the the, the yeah. west coast of Canada all the way to the right. east coast. And I actually spent some time up there um, living. I probably spent about six weeks or so during the summer and man i loved it up there it was it was cool yeah tracks aren't all great up there but there's some really good ones um and it's just a cool vibe you know it's just a cool laid-back vibe so the, the vibe up there was awesome i mean there wasn't hardly any pressure up there you just kind of go through your thing the vibe was cool like you said people were amazing tracks weren't all that great um you know they're more like a local track um and you would go to one track, and you'd have some local kids that are just hauling in. Where did these guys come from? Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> um, but that's how it was up there. You know, some of the tracks were much better than others. Um, I remember a track. Uh, I want to. I want to say it was Nanaimo. Am I pronouncing that yeah. right? Yeah, you are. Yeah. Um, dude, that track was gnarly, man. It had this like shell <laughs> rock. Yes. And yes. You come back after your motor just sliced up, you yeah. know, from head to toe. I was just, oh, it was terrible. I, I um uh I raced there a few times. I know that track well. So um <laughs> uh so hey, then at some point Geico uh contacts you to go back down. Yeah, so in in at the end of two thousand three I ended up you know, I, I did my full season on a two fifty and I'm like, you know what? I can't, I didn't feel comfortable with the way my hand was. I was like, you know what, There's, I just don't see myself going to be a top five guy in the 250 class. I, I just couldn't ride at that level and mm-hmm. you know, be somewhat safe. Yep. So I suppose I, I went ahead and got a, another YZ125, started riding that, and then at the very end of the year, like two weeks before A1, I was out at Tommy Harrison's old place out in Taipa, uh-huh. and Timmy Wagon was out there, and he had a brand-new 04 Honda 250S. <laughs> and I was like, dude, let me ride this thing. So that's like, the worst oh, thing you, you ever did, by the way. That's I mean. the worst thing I ever did, dude. I got on the bike, bone stock, and I'm throwing down, I mean, yeah. you know, short Timmy is, his bones were down in his lap. Yeah. And I was supposed to be on my two and a half, three second lap time faster than my YZ125. I'm like, I'm getting me one of these. So I went over to Chaparral and bought a couple of um, started the the season on that as a privateer. I got a, I did okay. I mean, it wasn't great. Um, got a couple good starts, and and then uh, I had let's see, around the San Francisco round, I had a call from Australia to go over there and race for the Red Bull KTM team, and mm-hmm. um, so that's what I did after the West Coast rounds were completed. I, you know, shipped myself over there to Australia, lived there for a couple of months. And while I was over there, I believe Travis Preston, 
I think he tore his ACL or something. Okay. Um, and then there was another guy. I don't remember who it was, but he got hurt on the team. So they were needing two guys. I'm like, dude, I'm your guy. <laughs> so I kept calling. I kept calling JC Waterhouse was the guy. Yeah, he managed it right. Yeah. And um, so I kept calling him. I kept calling everyone I knew. <laughs> and I mean, literally every day they. They had to have been sick of me fucking calling. <laughs> That's the way you do it, though, man. That's a nice work. That's how you do it, for sure. Well, I ended up getting the deal um, as a filling guy. I mean, there was no money involved or anything, but it was, uh, you know, from my point of view, it was a, just another opportunity to try to make something happen. And, you know, the first race I, I go to was Dallas, hard pack track, you know, big whoops, kind of my style track. I ended up getting third mm-hmm. for my first ride with those guys. And, um, I had a pretty solid run with those guys. I won the U.S. Open at the end of the year uh, with them. Um, they didn't resign me. I was super pumped. I mean, I put in a lot of work. You know, Josh Grant came on the team. Uh, I spent a lot of time with him. Um, he kind of re-energized me. And, you know, mm-hmm. riding with him with his raw speed, it picked up my pace quite a bit. Yeah. And um had a great time with him. Super bummed that I, I didn't – I was – trying to prepare myself for all five seasons to try to, you know, go after a title in the in the two fifty class, yeah. two fifty F class at the time, but it just didn't pan out. So um I was kinda of pissed about that, but that's the business. Yeah, no it is, right? Absolutely hundred percent. But you stayed on a Honda anyways? <laughs> you're just, you're just like, oh man. That uh, two thousand five was my most miserable year. Was it I was yeah. coming off the yeah, I was coming off the Geico team. Well, it wasn't guy goes back then. It was yep. just you know tracks connection team. So I I really liked the Honda and I and you know I signed with the motorsport guys and they promised me here we go with the B B level team yeah. and they promised me the world. You know I even had in my contract. I said look I'm not running. You know I'm running a, a pro circuit engine. They agreed. It was in my contract and my practice bike was good. I you know it wasn't the fastest bike. Mm-hmm. It, it was manageable, and that's what I needed. I didn't, you know, I didn't need a fast bike, the, the fastest bike. I just yeah. needed something manageable. So I show up to the first race. I, I believe it was Indianapolis, and I get on my bike, and I, you know, I do the first first round of practice, and I come back and said, "What in the hell did you guys do to this bike?" And at that point, they ended up telling me that Pro Circuit didn't have the parts to built me a motor and i'm like you got to be kidding me like the bike was so bad it was absolute worst bike i've ever ridden and it was worse stock that's how bad it was i don't know how a team would do that to a rider and just have them show up i, I don't know how you I, can like that's that's inexcusable I, for me you know yeah i, I was floored I, I could not believe it so i mean just from from that point forward i mean it was just really a waste of time yeah i was at that point, I was I was over it. Uh, we we continued to try to work on the bike, you know. And at home, my practice bike was fine. I'm like, why don't I just bring this practice motor to the race? I'll just run my practice motor, and I'll, you know, I'll be a top five guy. I don't want to run this motor that you guys have. It's a yeah. piece of shit. Yeah. So that never ended up happening. Um, so we just kept trying to build. On something that really was never there to begin with, and this is uh, it's Mark uh, Johnson, right? I think he's running at this point. I don't 
I don't think Mark Johnson was running the motorsports. Okay. At that point, it may have been a couple years later. Yeah, at some point he did, I think. But yeah, that's that's not a good situation for anybody, you know. No, you know, and then you know, I think back then we had practice on Fridays, and then you know, the old school way, and then yeah. race practice on Saturday. I remember walking the track with the team on on Saturday, Andy, and the team manager at the time, which. He really had no clue what he was doing, and he he's like, "Okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to seat bounce this three five three. And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm not seat bouncing that on my bike. Are you kidding me?" Yeah. Oh, jeez. Pretty much laughing at the guy, but right. I mean, it, it. Sometimes that's what happens when you get into yep. these speed level yep. teams. Is you just don't know what's going to pan out. No, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, at somewhere along the line, don't you win the U.S. Open race, that two fifty class, the U.S. Open? I won. I remember that. Yeah, I won the I won the U.S. Open in 2004 with the Factor Connection team. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah it was. It was I, that's been pretty cool. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, yeah, I had a, my bike was awesome. We did a lot of work on that thing. Um, a lot of Supercross testing. Um, suspension was good. The crew was good. Um, you know, I yeah. I really enjoyed my time there at the U.S. Open. I, I think I won everything. Every moto, every main, you know, Davey was there, Millsaps, and Tommy Hahn was my teammate at the time. JG was also my teammate, so it was it was good, man. There was a lot yeah. of heavy hitters there. You know, those guys were young, obviously, uh, just kind of getting rolling. But um, yeah, I, I ended up winning everything that weekend. Yeah, I remember that. That was that was pretty cool. It was one of those weekends where it's just like, yeah, Greg Chanel's on. Oh, looks like he's going to win again. <laughs> you know, so and, you know, it, it was funny. Um, you know, at that point, I had an option to either race that race. At Glen Helen, you know, JC and those guys came to me and said, hey, you know, we're going to go a different direction. I said, okay, you know, that's yeah. the nature of the beast. And But we want to, you know, give you a bike for the US Open. And I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to do it or not. But I ended up doing it, ended up winning. And then after the race, you know, Kehoe was the guy over at Honda. And, you know, he came up to me and he was, congratulating me and everything and i was like i just pretty much walked away i was so yeah. at that point i was so pissed off that right. they didn't resign because they wanted to go younger you know at that point i was yeah. 27 i think yeah yeah you were definitely a veteran at that point in that class but um yeah interesting for sure um yeah you go on to keep riding rode a suzuki which i do not remember schnell on an 06 rmz 250 i do not remember the greg schnell era at all on an rmz 250 sorry i just don't. yeah that was that was a struggle. Back to Suzuki on that bike. Uh, Mitch built me the bike, but the bike was just... A, that was, was the crap, shared man. bike, wasn't it? The shared thing with Cowie? Or no? That was. Yeah. yeah it was. It was a shared bike. Oh, they were it, garbage. It was, not, it, was a, oh, it was a piece of junk. I, um, <laughs> even with Mitch's help, I mean, he did everything he could. I mean, even his bikes, they had struggles with them. Yeah. You know? I mean, oh, those yeah. guys were winning. You know, Tedesco and... Uh, I think Langston was on the team at that time, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, my bike, my bike wasn't it wasn't good. I didn't feel in or off for a couple of years, but um, you know, at that point, I was just pretty much done. I was mentally right. drained, tired of dealing with you know. It, it, at that point of you know, two, let's see, oh six, maybe oh seven, it started getting real political and this and that, and I just said, you know what, I'm 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 done. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually ended up. I ended up doing, that's in 07, I ended up going, buying some Honda 250Fs, uh, spending some time with um, 
Davy Millsaps and, and Colleen and out at MTF for a couple of months with my mechanic. With Giddy and my speed back in 07, and then um, just I crashed in the first turn. I think it was Andy broke a bunch of ribs, and, and that was my last Supercross. I was, after that, I was done. That was it. Um, when you hung it up and quit racing, what did you do for a couple of years? What did you, what'd you, what'd you end up doing? A lot of guys struggle with that transition. Uh, I'm no different, man. I struggled for sure. I didn't know what I was going to do. Yep. Um, I For probably two years, I didn't do anything, man. I just kind of hung out. You know, I did some coaching and stuff like that. Um, but I, I knew that I wanted to do something different than be inside the industry. I wanted to kind of experience new experiences. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I started just working a normal life, which was a struggle. You know, I mean, it was coming from the fantasy world of moto and supercross. Yeah. Um, it's a complete 180. Um, and that's what people struggle with a lot. And, and I'm no different. I, I've done it for some years, but, um, you know. I mean, at this I, point, at this point, had you ever held a job? No, I, I never had a normal job. <laughs> right, right. Until, like, 2009. Yeah. Like, you know, like think about 30, that, everybody who's listening to this, right? Like, you never worked a job. <laughs> No, n- never had a normal job uh, up until probably 2009. I-, I knew a friend that was in the uh, – he-, he was an electrician. He was doing a bunch of stuff, um, a bunch of jobs. You know, he had a couple contracts with, like, Ralph's Grocery Stores and mm-hmm. Food for Less Grocery Stores in SoCal. So we were doing a bunch of electrician work, you know, phone stuff. And I did that for a couple of years. I had a great time doing that. And then I was like, you know what, i got to do something else. So that's kind of the time when I had an opportunity to come out here to Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the money was great, still great, uh, and I've been out here ever since, man. Um, did you leave racing with some money in your bank account? Did you have a little bit of a little bit of pad to, to you know, so you didn't have to jump into the real life right away? Yeah, I had a little bit. I mean, I, I definitely could have saved a lot more. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely by the end, when I knew I was finished, I, I was like, man, I should have signed with Roger. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would have been a really, really good deal. It would have it would have been a seven-figure deal, and it would have set me up for the rest of my life. But, um, you know, I mean, yeah. things happen for a reason, and, and um, you know, I, I'm good with everything. Yeah, so. yeah, you can't. If you start thinking about stuff like that, you'll just go crazy. You, you, it, nothing, and nothing's going to change, right? You just got to keep moving forward and and, you know, do what you can. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just uh, I'm a regular dude with uh, a regular job now. I'm, you know, I enjoy watching the races. I enjoy going to the races, and um, I'm enjoying riding again. I, I I didn't ride for almost eight years, and um, how's that hand? I didn't still miss. bug, still bugging you? Yeah, it, it yeah. definitely still bugs me. But you know, since I don't have to do you know 15 or 20 lap mains and right. you know 35 minute motos, it's not that big a deal. Like, yeah. You know, and then, you know, I'm good. Yeah. Are you rusty or are you are you surprising yourself with that you can you still feel pretty good? I the, the funny thing is is the first time I got on the bike I was really nervous, man. I it was <laughs> eight, almost eight years and I'm like, dude, do I still know how to do this? Right, right. Um, and then you know getting on the husky, which is an immense bike, but it was all new to me. You know, no Kickstarter. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, okay, well, I let's get on it and see how I do. I, I'm doing all right. I mean, I'm taking it easy. I don't need to get hurt. You know, there's there's no point to that. But uh, I do find myself 
trying to go faster and faster. And <laughs> sure. My my good buddy, uh, you, you know Tommy Hahn, he he's out here and he's doing some coaching and stuff over at Oak Hill. And um, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna help me get ready for Loretta's if I decide to do it. So. That's I'm cool. sure that there's going to be some motos going down right. between him and I out there. So yeah, yeah, exactly. It'll be just like the old times. Uh where's your where's your wins? When your where are your win trophies at? Where are they at? Oh, I got some uh, win trophies in the in the house. Um, you know, I got uh, a lot of the trophies are in the garage, but the ones that are really really important to me they're yeah they're in the house good good to hear uh, yeah yeah some guys just yeah. say, like i don't even know where they are and always blows my mind i'm like what you want a supercross i mean jesus you know <laughs> no i i know where all mine are i actually still have a lot of stuff in california um in my buddy's warehouse he he's got a bunch of my old gear i i got probably three or four gear bags about yeah. 30 helmets in his place um, that reminds me, I need to go out there and get them. <laughs> <laughs> you should, yeah, end up, you end up getting it for sure. Put the helmets out. You know what I mean? Be proud of what you did. You won two supercrosses, 11 podiums. I mean, countless number of top tens. I mean, you, the things you achieved in the sport are very, very rare. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you should be proud of all of that. Absolutely. I, I'm definitely content with what I've done. You know, you know, you look back now and you're like, oh, I wish I would have done this a little different or that. But yep. it's like you said, you can't really harp on that too much but yeah i had i was very blessed and very grateful to have done what i've done and everyone that has ever helped me i mean it, yeah. it was just an amazing ride i i tell you what no one had more fun than i did <laughs> there was a lot of talk about chanel having a lot of fun back in the day there was a lot of talk of that for sure oh dude we yeah there was there was a lot of fun to be had man yeah sure. yeah it was a different era definitely ricky ruined everything he just ruined everything training <laughs> I I re, yeah I remember a specific gentleman saying that uh, one of the best writers I've ever saying when Ricky came in he's like dude Ricky just fucked everything up <laughs> yeah he did he really did yeah he ruined no, we all got yeah guys like Button and Lawrence like especially Phil poor Phil he, he didn't want to train <laughs> oh fantastic yeah. uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Maxis and Alpine Stars we want to thank those guys for making these podcasts happen all year long. And uh, thanks to Bones for – Bones won't do one of these podcasts with me, Schnell, because I don't know why, because he's Bones. But he's the one who texted me and said, you should have Greg Schnell on a podcast. So thanks to Bones for putting us in touch. Yeah, thanks, Bones. And you know what? I'm going to work on Bones. We're going to try to get him in to do a podcast, man. We're going to work on magic here. Dude, he, can you imagine the stories that guy has, right? He's fantastic. So, Oh, dude, we, we, have, we have had some – amazing bench racing throughout yep. the years and yep. he's got so many good stories he'd be he'd yep. be an awesome guy absolutely he would well hey greg thank you for the time i really appreciate it thank you for the for the stories and the listens congrats on a great career i hope it sounds like everything's going well and i hope it is for you now you're back on a bike and maybe we'll see you at loretta's man thanks for the time okay thanks steve i appreciate it Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. 
we get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave and, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dis. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, like beating a dead horse, I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled the pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey.